You are now tuned in to No One Watches Regular News, hosted by me, Kerry Bogor, and this is episode eight of season two. Welcome back. Thank you for being able to tune in and listen. The first story that I'm going to get into is about Walmart. Um, Walmart says an external bad actor created fake accounts to trigger email with racist language. So this was this past week, uh, I think Monday is the fir- uh, the first time I saw this story. Walmart said an external bad actor was to blame for creating a series of fake accounts spawning email confirmations that contained a racial slur. So that racial slur was the N-word. Um, on Twitter, several users reported receiving emails containing racist language from the address help at walmart.com. Um, it says, apparently, I'm not the only one who woke up to this email from them this morning, wrote Twitter user at JustMeBMG in a tweet that also shows a screenshot of the email. In a statement emailed to USA Today, Walmart spokesperson uh, Molly Blankman said the retailer is reviewing their sign-up process for accounts to ensure similar incidents don't happen again. So this is what happened. We discovered that an external bad actor created false Walmart accounts with obvious intent to offend our customers, said Blank Man. We were shocked and appalled to see these offensive and unacceptable emails. Walmart did not disclose how many people received the email. The world's largest retailer also said they are looking into all available means to hold those responsible accountable for what happened. So again, we discovered that an external bad actor, I'm not sure it was an external bad actor. Is it just one person or many people? Don't know, but it says bad actor. Uh, this person or, or people created false Walmart accounts and with the intent to offend its customers by using this very uh, racist language in these emails. Uh, this is what happened. This was... Um, a news story again. I saw this past week. Uh, no, this week. Excuse me. This week, on Monday. So this article says again. Walmart says external bad actor created fake accounts to trigger email with racist language. All right. So let's uh, discuss how, as people, sometimes we dive back into and we revisit trauma. From the past. And we choose to do this. It's not happening right now. It's not happening to you right now. It's something that happened in the past. That you had no control over. You had nothing to do with it. It's something you went through. Now I'm no psychologist. I'm no therapist. But there are certain things that that have happened to me in the past. I cannot hold on to these things. These past trauma. But Oprah Winfrey, yet again, she talks about her past trauma, the abuse she has gone through. Um, she first spoke about this in like the 1980s when she talked about someone in her family abusing her. So she went through this childhood sexual abuse as a, as a uh, kid, you know, growing up, she went through this. So this is trauma to her. You know, it's very traumatic. The question that I have to ask is, when do you move on from this trauma? I think Oprah is in her 60s now. She's a billionaire. She made it. She's successful. So there is no reason for you to hold on to this and feel sad about it. You don't have to anymore. It wasn't your fault. You had nothing to do with what happened to you. Someone did something to you that was very bad. And they should be locked up for it. But how many times can you revisit revisit the past and talk about past trauma? In a way, you can't move on from it. You're stuck in the past. You're talking about what happened to you, the abuse you went through. So once again, Oprah Winfrey talks about the exact same things that she has talked about before. And going through this physical abuse. 
And one thing that I've noticed is a lot of black celebrities tend to do this. They'll talk about their past trauma and their what they went through. It's okay to vent. It's okay to talk about what you went through. But do you have to do it so much? We get your point. We get what you were saying. People should have compassion for you. I get that. But how many times do you have to say the exact same thing over and over again? And this is what Oprah Winfrey is doing. This is what a lot of black celebrities do. They'll revisit the past and talk about the past trauma over and over and over again. And you can tell that they haven't healed and moved on from this. It's in the past for a reason. People go through all kinds of things. But it does not mean that this defines your entire life. That you are isolated. You can't do nothing because of your past trauma and what you went through. This is what cripples black people uh, all the time. Being able to bring up the past and, and what you're going through, this cripples us. This holds us back. It keeps us from being able to progress. But once again, Oprah Winfrey is trying to revisit the past and talk about her childhood abuse and what she's going through. So you can tell that she hasn't healed from this. My suggestion is go to a therapist. Seek counseling so you can be able to accept this and say, look, this happened. It was not my fault. I was a kid. And just accept this and say, you know what? I have to let it go. I can't live my life like this and get and get emotional every single time this subject comes up. But this is something that I always you see black celebrities all the time do this. They'll bring up past trauma and try to make it seem like every single black person goes through this. It's not true. So my advice to people that if you don't went through something past trauma, seek help, seek counseling, go to a therapist to work through the problem. But don't sit there for years and years and years and years and years and you're talking about the same fucking thing. That means that you have never healed from this. You have to be able to move on in progress. But this seems to be a common thing for black people, not being able to heal and move on from past trauma. Now, what we do, we invite it back in on numerous occasions. And we have to stop doing this. You cannot heal from this. You have to be able to move on and grow up and and be healthy from a mental state. In the uh, the documentary, The Last Dance, it was an interview with uh, Larry Bird, and he was describing the the time that he faced Michael Jordan in the in the playoffs the first time. And he said that the thing that Michael was doing, Michael Jordan was doing, it was things that he had never seen before. And he said that this wasn't Michael Jordan. This was God described, uh, disguised as Michael Jordan. This is what Larry Bird said, that this was not Michael Jordan. This was God disguised as Michael Jordan. So in my life, I've only seen three players in the NBA that are considered basketball gods. That's Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and now LeBron James. LeBron James has a great privilege that other NBA players don't have. He gets to do what he wants to do. The NBA doesn't have the courage to make him sit out 10 to 14 days to quarantine. They just they just won't do that to... LeBron James, because then they'll have to face the scrutiny and the backlash. So LeBron James won't face quarantine for violating protocol when he attended this tequila brands event. So the NBA star, Lakers star, Mr. LeBron James violated the NBA's health and safety protocols. But he would not face the, the 10 to 14 day 
quarantined away from the team. Now, if this had been any other player, yes, of course, they have to be quarantined for 10 to 14 days. But of course, this is LeBron James. So if if LeBron James wants to attend a promotional event for some tequila, then he can do so. This is LeBron James. He gets to do what he wants to do. So that's the privilege that LeBron James has is being the, the world's famous athlete. You get to basically do what you want to do because you know for a fact that if they do not let you do what you want to do, it's consequences behind it. They they have to deal with the wrath of the basketball god, LeBron James, like Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant. So this article comes from the USA Today again. LeBron James would not face quarantine for violating protocol to attend a tequila brand's event. He is the new, the newest now basketball guy. Barack Obama has become the poster president. You know, uh, he's a guy they go to and they use him to convince you, sway you, rock you to sleep. You know, he's a guy, the go-to guy. If you want to convince the public, go get Barack Obama. He's the very smart guy. He's very intelligent. He's good with words. So this guy can be used to convince the public this is what you need. So Barack Obama to join social media event on vaccines next week. And they always use celebrities. You know, they they hardly ever use experts. They they always get celebrities, you know, they'll throw them up there, get them to talk about, you know, vaccines or whatever. And these people are the ones that are supposed to convince you. This is what they do. So Barack Obama will be joining a social media event next week to promote vaccines. Okay. The event will happen on Facebook Live hosted by May to Save the United States of Women Supermajority in the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services on Monday. May to Save announced uh, this past Friday. So just a few days ago. He will also be joined with uh, with actress uh, Eva Longoria to talk about the effect the pandemic has had on women and the safety of the vaccines. Okay, it uh, says this event is, to, is intended to reduce concerns about vaccine safety among women, encourage women to get vaccinated. So why would you use Eva Longoria to convince women that they should get vaccinated and talk about vaccine safety? And in their roles as trusted messengers to encourage their family and friends to take the vaccine. See, they always use celebrities. They'll go get Michelle Obama. They'll go get Barack Obama. Their role is to soothe you over to and they say encourage. No, it's to convince you. To convince you that you need the vaccine. Now, this is not the first time that Barack Obama has been used to promote vaccines or to encourage people, encourage people to get the vaccine. They also had him on TikTok. He did a, a TikTok video to encourage young people to also get the vaccine. So they always use Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, or they use celebrities to try to convince people this is what you need. This is this is in your best interest. They won't go get the experts and get people that know what they're talking about. No, they get the people that's likable faces and they're popular. They're well known. Let's get them. Let's use them to convince the people, encourage them, as they say, to get this, even though they might not need it. But let's use them to convince the people this is what you need. And this is what Barack Obama has become, the poster president. You know, they use this guy because he's a very smart guy, likable guy. Everyone knows who Barack Obama is. So why not just use him to encourage people or convince people 
to get the COVID-19 vaccine. All right, so let's uh, discuss um, parent-to-prison pipeline. Now, you've heard of school-to-prison pipeline. Now, this is the belief that it's systemic. It's a system in place that's purposely taking black and brown children and they're grooming them and they're being able to prepare them for failure and to go into prison. This is the belief. This is a theory. It's not true. When I was in school, I got the same education. I turned out just fine. I was able to graduate high school. It's not the school's fault. It's not the teacher's fault entirely. It's also the parents' fault. So growing up, I had friends that were in a single-parent household. Some friends were, were raised in a two-parent household. Some friends turned out to be okay. Some friends turned out to be pretty bad. Now, the ones that turned out okay, for the most part, their parents were able to parent them and guide them, give them direction. These were the ones that were successful and succeeded. The ones that failed didn't have any parental supervision. Their parents didn't guide them, give them directions. So they failed in life. So before they even can turn 18 and leave high school, they are already a failure. They fail in school by not being able to go to class, not, not get good grades, not have good attendance. When I was in school, I had perfect attendance. I was in school every single day. I didn't miss school for any reason. A headache because I was sick. I didn't miss school because my mother was, was very, very, um, she pushed the importance of being able to graduate high school, at least get your diploma. From there, if you want to go to college, trade school, or if you want to go in the uh, workforce, you can do that. But you have to be able to get your diploma. My mother was a big reason why I was successful, also my father. Because one thing I didn't want to do, I didn't want to disappoint my mother, my father, even my uncles or my aunts. So my parents played a huge role in my success. So I wouldn't be the victim. I wouldn't be in that category of going to prison because of bad parenting. And this was happening in a lot of black neighborhoods, in a lot of black communities, in a lot of black households is children are failing, not because of the school, not because of the teachers or what they're teaching the children. They're failing because of the parents. When I was in school, they they had the um, parent-teacher meetings and, and those things. I'm quite sure parents don't even go to these meetings to find out what's going on at the school, you know, how is their child doing in, in school. I'm pretty sure they don't do this. So everything starts at home as far as the parenting level. How will your child be able to survive and succeed if they are not given the right tools to make it, the, the right resources to make it? If they don't have this, they don't have a chance in hell in being successful in life if the parents do not do their job in raising the child or the children. Now, the school the prison pipeline is just a theory. It is not something that's factual and, and real. It's just based on beliefs. It's a theory that this is what happened to black, specifically black folks. Um, lack of education, lack of opportunity, lack of resources. In my opinion, this is an excuse. Um, my uncle told me this. He's in his 70s. He was alive and living in a time period where black people didn't have any equal rights to white people. And he told me this one time that you have no excuses. People your age have no excuses. 
you have nothing holding you back anymore. The only thing that's holding you back is, for one, how you were raised, how your parents raised you. Did they give you the tools you need to make it? That's really the only thing that's holding you back. The white man, the system is not holding you back from achieving what you want to achieve. What we do is we use this as scapegoats, a crutch, a reason, an excuse to not be able to succeed. So the school to, to prison pipeline is a belief that this is systemic, is a system in place by white people to purposely shuffle us into the prisons. Lack of education, opportunities, all this stuff, this is what's causing us to enter prisons at a very high rate. In the millions. But I don't see it that way. I see it as if black people played a huge part in our downfall because of how our, our approach. We have to change the way we think. It's no different than growing up... Um. The street guy or the cool guy versus the average guy, the square, who got good grades, who went to school a long time, who didn't miss school, who wanted to be successful, who wanted to be somebody. The street guy is the emotional kid that was raised by either by a single parent or both parents. They didn't parent him or her. They allowed them to do what they want to do. They didn't give them any structure or discipline. So they allowed them to be this wild child, the untrained dog. And somehow this untrained dog, this wild child, is able to have sympathy, compassion for them. They can play the victim. You can't say nothing about the whole street dude, the popular dude, because they might get mad. They was raised in, in their single-parent home or raised with both parents, they gave them everything they want, they spoiled them. It's an old saying, if you spread the ride, you spoil the child. It does not mean a physical discipline. It means the needed instructions, the guidance, the advice, to keep them on the straight and narrow path that many find. It's very few people that find that straight, narrow path and stay on it. It's very few that, that do. But in the black community, what we do is we discourage things that should be positive. We discourage that and we encourage negativity. We do this all the time. Ever since we were children, we have seen this. If you are black in America, you know for a fact you saw this as a child growing up, that negativity if it was negative, it was promoted. If it was positive, it was not promoted. So the kid that was in school, that was, that was smart and got good grades, that was, had good attendance, they were not seen in a good light as the bad kid that went to the other school because they had behavior issues. They went to a, a alternative school because of behavior issues. They couldn't go to the regular school with the other kids. So growing up, what, what happened was the kids that misbehaved went to a different school because society sends its failures to the prison or, or, you know, they're dead. So when I was in school, the kids, they had behavior problems. Their parents couldn't control them. They were sent to a different school because... Now you are being prepared for prison. And it's not that the teachers couldn't help you. They tried to. The problem is you're so emotional. You can't control yourself. You were never taught. You are the untrained dog. So if you have the untrained dog, it's going to go through and tear everything up, piss and shit everywhere. The trained dog is different. The trained dog knows when it's bathroom time what to do, how to get attention, go outside, piss shit, you, you do what you got to do, come in the house, you're good. So either you're going to be a trained dog or an untrained dog. So this is what is happening right now in the black community. 
is that we have a bunch of wild children running around, no guidance, no direction, and it's not the school's fault. It falls on the shoulder of the guardian, the parents. They are responsible for the success or failure of their child or their children. An example of what I'm talking about. In the movie Boys in the Hood, you had Trey, Ricky, Doughboy, Monster, Dookie, Little Chris. Now, Dookie, Monster, Little Chris, and Doughboy, out of the, what, the six kids or so, the six friends, four were losers. But they were the cool guys. They were around the neighborhood, not doing nothing with their lives. However, somehow Doughboy was given a, a coming home point because he got out of prison. So it's a celebration. But Ricky... And Trey were the potential successes. They were the success stories. Two black men, one, one playing football. And one guy is going to go to college. The potential success stories. They were not given a party. To honor their accomplishments. Saying, you know what, you made it. No, Doughboy... The ex-con, the drug dealer, got a party in his honor to celebrate him coming home. This is an example of what goes on in the black community. We discourage positivity and we encourage negativity. It's no different than your teen daughter getting pregnant and you throwing her a baby shower for what? A baby shower is normally when you have the mother and the father. The mother knows who the father, the family knows who he is as well. But why would you throw a teenager a baby shower? It's supposed to be you marry before you carry. In our society, we encourage single mothers. Single motherhood is better than having two parents. A strong black woman. This is what we say. An alpha female. Shit like this. We encourage this. In other countries, if you are a single mother unwed, you are frowned upon. You are a disappointment. You're supposed to have a man. You're supposed to have someone helping to raise your child or your children. But this is what we do. And then we turn around and blame the system for our faults and our failures and say, you know what, it's the school's fault. That I didn't succeed. It's the white teachers. You know they didn't teach me what I was supposed to learn. No it's the parents fault as well. The parents are more at fault than the school. This is why I say parent to prison pipeline. They have. More responsibility and more accountability. Than you do. The school. The teachers spend more time with your children weekly. And daily than you do. So they know your child. They know what they like to do and don't do. Their habits. You know. Good good habits and bad habits. They know this. So why do we blame. A system. For our failures. The scapegoat. When back in the day. It was actually a system in place. That kept people down. They had Jim Crow laws. They had segregation in the South. It was allowed by the government. It was sanctioned by the U.S. government. It's no longer sanctioned. Now you see a lot of things going on, going on in the news. I'm saying these things don't matter. I'm not saying that these, th these things don't happen and, and it don't matter. I'm saying look at the bigger picture. We do encourage negativity more so than positivity. We do it all the time. And then what we do is we turn around and play victim and make it seem like it's everyone else's fault and we had nothing to do with it. This is not true. It takes away the accountability and being responsible.
because it's much easier to blame white people for our failures than to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, you know what, we had something to do with failing in life. So in order to change the the future, you, we have to start changing the way we think, what we say. Um, it's a book that uh, I read a while ago. It's called Ask, and it is given by Esther and Jerry Hicks. Learning to manifest your desires. So this deals with law of attraction. In law of attraction, what you think and what you say is gold. So you have to be aware of your thoughts. You have to be aware of what you say. Not only about the people, but yourself. Because what happens is these thoughts, these words send a signal to the universe and the universe responds. This is the same way God works. People that pray. If you believe in praying, this is how it works. What you say and how you think sends a signal to the universe and the universe responds. So let's think for a second. Years and years and years and years of just negative language. I'm going to kill you. I hate you. In hip-hop music, this is what we have heard over the years. The negative music, murder, killing, assaulting people. How do we think, and this is, this is how I think about this. How can we walk around thinking that this has not had some impact on our future? In rap music, in hip-hop. Hearing people say certain things in these songs, these these lyrics and the things that were going on in our own households, the dysfunction, the lack of love, the lack of nurturing, the lack of attention. You know, you were getting all the negative shit that you did not deserve, because what happens is. This helps shape your future if you let it. But if you begin to change those thoughts. And what you say as well, you change your future outcome. But if you don't, then these things manifest. So over the years in rap music, once you hear the same thing over and over again, repeat it, and it becomes repetitive. These things begin to manifest and take place in the very places we live. It causes chaos, destruction. It plays in the downfall of where we live, where we call home. Yes, it's true that out there in the universe is radio signals, is signals from the 1900s still sitting there, out there. So if that's true, that, that means what I say, how I think, affects my future. So... Anything you ask, it shall be given unto you. If you ask of something negative, it will be given to you. If you, have, if you ask of something that's positive, it will be given to you. It's very true. So if you walk around every single day thinking negative like we do, the system, the system, white supremacy, white people, depression, Oppression. They're holding us back. It's, sh it's helping to shape our future. The future for the children. It says in the Bible, the meek shall inherit the earth. The most innocent human beings on this planet is children. And now it's becoming so bad to where they're not even innocent anymore. They're becoming tainted. By the world that we help create through the words and the thoughts that are coming out of us and it's manifesting. And these words, these thoughts is creating our new reality and our new future. This is what's happening. This is why I don't believe in no fucking school to prison pipeline. I say parent to prison pipeline. Because at some point you have to be accountable and responsible for your own actions and say, you know what? It's my fault. 
I'm completely accountable and responsible because my child didn't graduate high school or my daughter was pregnant at 14 years old. No, we're going to blame the system and say it's his fault. So for years during the civil rights movement, they began to manifest some things. They wanted equality. They wanted to be treated equal. Over time, those thoughts, everyone was on the same page. For the most part. Those desires, those thoughts, those beliefs began to manifest and become real. This is what we can do now, but we choose not to. We choose to gravitate towards the worst of the worst. And what's going to happen is going to cost us in the future. If you don't get aligned with what you want. Not saying that you're going to get it right now. No. But it can manifest and become real. Anything you ask, it can be given unto you. Anything you ask for, you shall receive. You can manifest these things. It's very true. So the only way, in my opinion, that black people can change their future is changing the way we think, changing the way we speak, change the way we treat each other. And then our future will begin to alter and change for the better. But you have to let go of the school the prison pipeline is just a theory. It's not real. It's made up. It's something that we created to hold ourselves back because we don't want to accept the blame that we failed in being able to raise our children and them being able to be successful in life. No, we'll say it's the white folks' fault. It's them. They're the reason why we failed. It's not true. All right, so this past Tuesday, the family of George Floyd went and met with uh, Joe Biden at the White House. Um, this was to acknowledge or show respect to George Floyd. It's been a year since he was murdered in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And yet there has been no bill passed, no bill passed right now to address police misconduct and behavior. Nothing. So it has to be some pressure put on Congress. And this is what Joe Biden is saying about putting this in the hands of lawmakers in Congress to get this passed. The George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, which will ban chokeholds, limit no-knock warrants, and offer a path toward holding police officers accountable in court. Uh, the argument is really qualified immunity. Uh, this is a long-standing legal doctrine that has made prosecuting police officers difficult and can act as a shield against holding them accountable. I disagree with this qualified immunity in place to shield them from being accountable. Even if they act in a reckless, a reckless way, they break training protocol. Like in the case of the uh, Bolton Jean in Dallas, Texas, who was also killed in his apartment. These officers have to be held accountable and not just be let off the hook so easily. So in some sense, this seemed as it was a photo op for Joe Biden. You had Ben Crump there. You had rapper Little Baby there as well. So it it seemed like you bring in a celebrity to look good. To pacify people. This is not just about a discussion. You have to have real power to make real change. And I don't see that. You you just can't go in begging and urging them to do this. It has to be a consequence. And this is why when black people vote, we cannot just give our vote out with nothing in return like we did this past election. Ever since the inauguration... Joe Biden has turned his back on black people. It's been a year. Why hasn't any bill been passed to address police misconduct and behavior and to hold them accountable? There's nothing wrong with 
making people be responsible, making them be accountable. And this is the problem. Here's another article. And I get the sense that Joe Biden is doing this to make himself look good. This article says Biden to visit Tulsa, Oklahoma for the Tulsa race massacre. So Joe Biden will visit Tulsa, Oklahoma next week to mark the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa race massacre, the White House said. So for those that don't know, um, this happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This was the worst mass killing in U.S. history. On May 31st, 1921, a mob of uh, white men torched 35 blocks of black neighborhood and killed an estimated 300 people. No one was charged in the killings. No one was ever charged in the massacre that happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma. No one. Survivors say the community never recovered. This is why you have to be able to make amends and fix things and correct things. The people should have been compensated years ago for what happened in 1921. But yet again, it it seems like Joe Biden is doing this to make himself look good. Because now the, the pressure has to be put on Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and the Democratic Party as black people. We should say, look, if we don't get what we want. Within your first term as president of the United States of America, we would not vote for the Democratic Party again. This is why we cannot give out our vote so easily with nothing in return. So next week, Joe Biden is going to go meet, uh, visit Tulsa, Oklahoma. It makes it seem like he's doing this to make himself look good. So we'll we'll have to wait and see what happens. We're going into June. Next to be July. How long will it take for a bill to be passed to address policing misconduct and behavior? Police reform. How long will it take? Because so far, Joe Biden has done nothing. There is no real pressure on Joe Biden yet. Donald Trump had a ton of pressure. Joe Biden is very cool, relaxed. He's not under the pressure as Donald Trump was. And that's the issue. All right, so this article is about DMX. Uh, DMX died on April 9th at the age of 50 due to a massive heart attack. Um, He had a very rich music legacy. Uh, a very rich music music legacy. His finances weren't in order. So um, this article says platinum selling hip hop legend DMX estate worth less than one million dollars. Uh, Westchester court papers show hip hop legend DMX, despite selling more than 74 million albums across a successful career in music and movies, left behind an estate worth less than one million dollars and perhaps less than fifty thousand dollars. According to court papers, um, back in the day, rappers weren't making that much money as they are now. You hear about rappers becoming billionaires like Jay-Z and Kanye West. Rick Ross has made a lot of money. 50 Cent, um, Drake. Uh, you got guys like Ice Cube now, LL Cool J. Guys that this over the over their career, they have kind of not only... They're, they're not only known for rapping, but they're also known for their investments and getting involved in creating multiple sources of, of income, streams of income. So this is what you have to do to make it uh, and to have a life after rap. DMX had 15 children. Um, and I don't want to hang on the negative things about them. But it, it just shows you how back in the day, rappers weren't making that much money. You saw the film uh, about NWA. You know the story about NWA, how, how they got jerked around and robbed of money that they could have made. Um, so they missed out. But Ice Cube became very successful. 
Dr. Dre became very successful afterwards. But it shows you that you have to have everything in order. Sometimes you have to reinvent yourself in order to make more money, you know. But DMX's uh, music history is what's going to make him money in the future because of his catalog. Like, you know, like Prince and Michael Jackson left behind a very rich music legacy. So their their estate will increase over time. Because at the end of the article, it says this, uh, but a source... For me, what the estate indicated is value could increase in the years ahead, given the opportunity and debt of his catalog uh, left behind by DMX. So it's true that over the years, he's going to make more money, even though he's dead now. He's passed away. He's gone. He's going to make more money. And we've seen this before with a lot of music artists. When they pass away, the music still lives on. They're still making money. Of course, but um, you hate to hear this, man, that a rapper made so much money, didn't have as much money as he should have. So this shows you that the rappers are not really taken care of. They they are there to make money for the record company, and that's it. But when it comes to their families, their lives, they're often kind of pushed in the back, and they're forgotten. But back in the day... Rappers weren't making that much money as they are now. They weren't they weren't as in control of the career as you're seeing now with artists. So that's a good thing that, that artists are really taking their career in their own hands versus a record label and letting them handle everything. But again, a platinum selling hip hop legend, a DMX estate, worth less than one million dollars, Westchester court papers show. However, uh, as the years go on, his estate will increase because of his rich uh, music uh, legacy. If you cannot see this, um, is something wrong with you? Um, Right now in 2021, black people are receiving reparations. Reparations is not only related to slavery. It's very difficult to determine who are the descendants of slaves and to give them What's owed to them. All right. But right now you got people that are being released from prison based on a wrongful conviction. And they are given a large sum of money. You saw the case. And of course, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. You saw this. The families receive a very large, large settlement. So the Charleston County South Carolina Council on Tuesday approved 10 million settlement in the death of Jamal Sutherland, a black man who died after he was pepper sprayed and electroshocked with a stun device in a jail cell earlier this year. It says the vote to approve the 10 million settlement at a meeting Tuesday night was unanimous. If you don't know the story, uh, he was 31 years old back in January. He had been arrested the day before after a fight. He was at a uh, psychiatric facility where he was receiving mental health treatment. At the jail, the sheriff's deputy tried to remove him from the cell for a bond hearing. The video shows two deputies outside the cell. One de- uh, deploys a taser and appears to use it repeatedly over and over again. Jamal cries out in pain and he was on the floor. So this man died in jail as a result of the excessive force they was using when they were trying to remove him from his jail cell for a bond hearing. It said that he was at, at a mental health facility receiving uh, mental health treatment. So this guy had some some kind of mental health issues, but they didn't take into consideration what he might have been going through. But it's a good sign that we're seeing black families receive reparations for these wrongdoings, for these wrongful convictions. It's a good sign. So for those people that are talking about reparations, it's happening. It's happening, but you're stuck on slavery. 
is happening right now. Black families are, in fact, receiving reparations. Uh, in the case of Jamal Sutherland, this is an example. Again, a $10 million settlement approved in Jamal Sutherland's death. All right, so before I go, I wanted to talk about how men are becoming women and women are becoming men. Um, I've heard women say they are alpha females, that they are strong, independent, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I saw the interview with Dwayne Wade and his wife, Gabrielle Union, and we all know that they have a, a son who now identifies as a girl. And Dwayne Wade said that he doesn't mind letting his wife lead him. In my household, I'm the leader. Um, I'm the protector, the provider, you know, in my household. But when you get on social media and you get on Facebook and Instagram, you start seeing men behave like women in a lot of cases like men taking selfies and shit i saw a guy the other day he posted a picture he was in his mercedes he had a snow cone he took a picture of the snow cone in front of the mercedes emblem on his steering wheel like it's a cute picture my wife does that shit you see men disrespecting other men and they'll use like um, slick comments and shit like that, jabs at them. When I was growing up, it was something that you didn't do. You didn't you didn't go out your way to disrespect another man because that could get you hurt or killed. Now guys don't understand that now. They want to make comments like women, little jabs like women behave like women i'm seeing guys talk about the drip you know they're talking about their shoes their socks their pants their shirt their belt their necklace their watches and their scarf they're wearing the chain it's it's ridiculous like men care more about accessories like women do now when i was growing up men were men men work men didn't care so much about how they their hair looked or getting a haircut every single weekend or wearing the latest Jordans or LeBron James shoes. Men didn't worry about those things. Men got up, men worked, men could hunt, fish, build, make things, protect their families, raise their children. That's what men could do. Now, it seems like men are struggling just to be able to be men. They are they are very feminine now. And society has made it seem like being a masculine black man or being a, a masculine man, period, is bad. Don't be a masculine man. You know, you have to be more feminine because to some people that's intimidating. And then you got women who behave like men who want to smoke and drink and cuss and not be feminine, be disrespectful, get in a man's face. Uh, they are quick to fight now. You see these things. Women are not even women anymore. They're not feminine. When I was growing up, I, I saw feminine women. Now, I don't see that no more. Women are quick to kind of give a snapback, a slick comment for no apparent reason other than they want to. You see it all the time. And this is what we're seeing right now in our society. Men behave like women and women behave like men. This is why you have what you call gender identity now. Where you can be born a man or woman, but you say you identify as something else. Men are literally becoming women. And women are literally becoming men it's a sad day in america to where you use terms like toxic masculinity and you don't say that there's a such thing as women being toxic because women can't get that same judgment so in order to, in order for women to be equal to men you have to be judged the exact same way as men are judged you have to get on the scale like men 
and be judged the exact same way. Because if you're not willing to get up there with us and be judged the exact same way, there is no such thing as you should be equal. It doesn't exist. I don't believe in being equal. If I see that you have more than me, why can't I have more than you? Why should I be equal to you? And this is the problem to where in America, they're trying to eliminate certain roles and get away from certain things, certain ideas, man, woman, father, son, daughter. They're trying to get rid of these terms and say it's wrong. You you can't even give someone a compliment if they lose weight because it, it might be offensive. This is where we're going. But I hate seeing men act so damn feminine. They care more about how they dress and how they look than protection, providing, being able to have some skill or trade. And they don't even care about that no more. It's all about what you drive and how you look and all this shit, the money you make. That what matters. Uh, but when I was growing up, I didn't see this. I saw men growing up. I saw real men. Men who worked. Men who took care of their families and raised their children. That's what I saw. I didn't see feminine men growing up. I never saw this. But now you see it more. Now it's promoted more. Don't be as outspoken or talk with um, a bass in your voice. Don't do that. Be more feminine because it could scare people. It makes people nervous. This is what we're seeing with Kwame Brown. A man's man is talking and people are nervous because they're, they're not used to hearing a man talk like this. And this is what we're seeing now. People are not used to men talking like this. They're not used to black men talking like this. So we must be more feminine to where it's easy to kind of approach you and, and also be able to control you. So I just want to to share my thoughts on that, how men are becoming women and women are becoming men. This is something that's being taught right now. It's okay. And what's going to happen is going to fuck up a lot of households and it's confusing people. All right. So it has been another mass shooting. A gunman killed at least eight people in a light rail yard in California this time. Um, President Joe Biden ordered the flag over the White House to yet again be lowered to half staff. Uh, he also issued a one word plea. Enough. Uh, Biden said Congress should immediately healed, heed the call of the American people, including the vast majority of gun owners, to help end this gun violence in America. Every life that is taken by a bullet pierces the soul of our nation. Biden said in a statement, we can and we must do more. Um. Since the beginning of the year, it's been around 232, I think, mass shootings. So that's almost about 50 a month. Uh, since Friday, it's been 16. So uh, we do have a problem in America, um, but you can't blame the guns. It's the people. You have people that have anger issues, mental disorders, emotional problems, and this is contributing to a lot of issues. There's a lot of issues going on in America. Um, gun violence is one of them, but it's many, 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 many issues. And for some reason, people think that stricter gun laws will help. And I don't think that it will help. The culture in America is very violent. You see it in sports, man, boxing, USC, football. You see it in TV, the movies. So it's not like we're not exposed to violence. We see it all the time. Entertainment. People see it in their households all the time. So it's not like we don't see violence. You know, how we think and what we consume becomes a part of our identity here. And in America, violence is something that has always been practiced. It's not like people practice peace or practice being able to resolve conflict without war, 
without violence. Sometimes these things happen. Um, you can't control how people will respond. You can't control their actions. Nobody knew that this guy would show up and shoot and kill eight people. Maybe there were some signs here and there that uh, were some red flags. Yeah, of course. But how do you deal with this? Do you make gun laws stricter? Do you ban um, AK-47s? Uh, do you ban high-capacity magazines? What do you do? How do you curb gun violence in America? In my opinion, it's very difficult. I don't think that passing a law to make, you know, buying a, a gun, you know, stricter or eliminating certain, being able to buy certain guns. In Texas, you know, they just passed a law that made it illegal to walk around with a handgun with, with no license. In the South, is quite different. You know, you go to Texas, Louisiana, so forth. Um, people like to hunt. People like to shoot. They enjoy going to the gun range, um, shooting competitions. We see this. So how do you deal with gun violence? In America, when violence has always been a part of American culture, and this is how I see it, it's very difficult, man, to kind of approach this and deal with it, man. Um, and they think that the solution should be make gun laws stricter. And I don't think that that's going to help. Thank you for being able to tune in and listen to No One Watches Regular News, hosted by me, Kerry Bogar. This was episode eight. Stay tuned for next Friday, episode nine will be released. <laughs>